Welcome to The Way Home with Laura Smith, the show that brings you wonderful guests, helpful advice, and uplifting stories. The Way Home, live inspired. Here's your host, Laura Smith. Well, there's so much going on in the world right now that inspiration is something I think we all use right now, something uh, that we need some upliftment in our daily life. And in addition to that, I think a lot of us are thinking about what it means to live in peace, to have world peace. Um, and it just seems to elude us, especially now. It's just a really difficult time in the world. And so I have a guest today, Isabel Davis. She's written a poem, a five stanza poem that packs a punch, but in the most nonviolent of ways. Her, she has written a poem called My Sword is a Dove. And this is a poem that she wanted to kind of express her feelings after actually 9-11, so 22 years ago, but it's all of a sudden become so relevant again. And she wanted to share it with us and her idea of having a daily peace practice. And I just think that that's a wonderful idea. It's something that we can maybe mindfully do at the beginning of each of our days and share with others, because what the world needs now is love, sweet love as Jackie DeShannon sang, and so many others as well. So Isabel Davis will be talking about the concept of peace, personal peace and peace in the world, and how we can maybe strive to have it more in our daily lives. Then we're going to talk with Tom Kreitler of The Money Pit Show. It's a radio show and podcast all over the country. And he talks about some fabulous ways to save money on new products that really help you to... um not break the bank when it comes to utilities and insulating your house and different ways to put money back into your pocket because right now it is costing so much more to heat, to cool, so many aspects of this to light your home. So he has some great tips on that. And then we're going to hear actually about, did you know that hurricane season actually is still happening until the end of November? So we do need to have some precautions and you know, we think, oh, no, that was probably just for September, the end of summer, but it's not. It actually lasts until the end of November. So we've got some good short tips for you as well from experts talking about hurricane season. That's all packed into, jam-packed into this hour, including good news stories at the end with Jim Cleefield, our guru of good news. And it's brought to you by the wonderful people at Balance of Nature. Balance of Nature is fruits and veggies in a capsule, which gives you 10 servings per day of the most vital nutrients that you can only get in real fruits and vegetables, which is exactly what's in the capsules. Nothing else but food. And they have found a way to get them pulverized and powderized into these capsules so that you get 10 servings a day, but a variety of 31 different fruits and vegetables. There is no other product like it on the market so that you can fill in the gaps in your diet. We all try to eat healthy. We try to get our fruits and veggies, but it's really awfully hard to get 10 servings a day. That's where Balance of Nature comes to the rescue. How do you order it? Very easily. It's not found in a store. You order it at balanceofnature.com, balanceofnature.com. And make sure when you do that, you put my name into the promo code, Laura, L-A-U-R-A. That way they know that you heard it here on the way home and you will get 35% off of your first order of your fruits and veggies and even the fiber and spice if you throw that in there as well. 
You'll also get free shipping always. Now, there's also a phone number you can use to call Balance of Nature. It's kind of easy to remember. It's 800-2468-751. 800-2468-751. Again, if you get it, when you talk to the real person on, the, if you do it by the phone, you tell them that you're putting Laura into the promo code for your discount and your free shipping. When we come back after this break, it's going to be Isabel Davis talking about her beautiful peace poem, My Sword is a Dove. Don't go away. It's the way home. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. It's so interesting, and I have made notes several times with this show over the past four years that we have been doing it, that certain uh, people and interviews and topics seem to come towards the show at what sometimes seems almost like kismet, almost like um, destiny, like they were supposed to land in my lap or at the time exactly when they're supposed to. And this week is absolutely no exception to that. I am so grateful. I have a friend um, who I know from spiritual circles, uh, Isabel Davis, who is so prolific in, in so many aspects of life, art, she creates art that inspires positive change. And she does it on many, many levels, like actually creating art, but also in writing and in so many different modalities. We'll talk to her about um, some of the different ways in which she expresses herself so beautifully across the planet and across her lifetime. But this particular uh, interview came to us like, Many, many, many months ago, and we only just got around to doing it today, this week, but it is so apropos that I am so grateful, Isabel Davis, that you are here to talk about your amazing poem about peace called My Sword is a Dove. It could not be more timely with everything happening in the world right now. I think just hearing your voice and your words, we're going to have you actually read the entire five stanza poem. Um, it's because I feel like everyone right now is looking and searching for peace, whether it's in their home, in their hearts, in their country, in their life, in, in, in their thinking. So thank you for being with us today, Isabel Davis, uh, hailing from some beautiful island out in uh, the Seattle area. How are you? I'm well, thank you. So pleased to be here with you. Yes. Tell me the name of that island again that you live on. I live on uh, San Juan Island. It's one of the San Juan Island archipelagos from um, a couple of hours north of Seattle, close to Canada, about a mile or two from uh, Victoria. And you ended up there. Why? I, during the pandemic, I sold my house kind of at an inopportune time when the market exploded. And I just was longing for some more connection with nature and to be a little bit um, remote so that I could birth some of these projects that I've been brewing in my life. And so I made a choice to move uh, here for a while. And I just love being immersed in nature. And I'm so connected, especially through the pandemic. Uh, connected with my communities, um, you know, virtually. So it's not a total, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm not not completely separated from all of that. So 
That's that's wonderful. So yes, thank goodness for the technology, and it can put anyone in a, in a remote place and still make them be like they're right here. So I'm so grateful for that. Um, in being an artist for really your whole life, you've been involved with uh, doing art, many different types of art. What are just some of them? Well, um, besides being trained initially as a fine artist and really pursuing um, various opportunities, um, kind of got segued when I had marriage and was married to a cellist. We had a lot of opportunities to like move into a performance musician venue with a chamber music series and then just raising kids. And then I returned to my fine art practice solely for a while but it in, evolved into a, a public art practice. And even though I live remotely, I have lived in New York City for 10 years, you know, and love urban life in Seattle and uh, really like connecting to people and community. But sometimes there's a time to just go off into the wilderness for a while to really hone and focus your ideas so you can speak, speak more clearly through your work. And so that's why I've done that. Yeah. So your own sort of uh, Walden Pond experience, perhaps. Yes. Um, like Thoreau um, did and and just changed the world with his with his writings and his words and all that he gained through there. Um, I am interested in the fact that you wrote this book. Was it was it for children? And actually, it's a poem, but it's being published as a book um, very soon. My sword is a dove, and and what uh, prompted you to write this book on peace? Yeah, it's actually a- available in paper now, um, as of August or late July. So it is it is published. Um, uh, I wrote this initially um, in two thousand one. Um, it was um, was involved in some children's book creation at the time. And raising children and my children were fairly young. And, and, and after 9-11, I just had this desire to have a catalyst for conversations about peace with my children. And there was really a lack of it available in the commercial market. So, uh, I wrote this poem. It just sort of landed <laughs> one time. It was one of those moments of inspiration where the clouds parted and this lamp poem came and I saw the potential of of building illustrations around it and creating some sort of a book for parents to read to children. Um, and the, the way I've created it because of the big full graphics, you know, children could flip it through it or read it. Um, but at the, uh, my local bookstore, I asked her what she would do and she said she would shelve it along with poetry. So I'm not sure I've had, um, you know, adults, like it for inspirational gifts and, you know, all kinds of like sharing. Uh, um, so it's uh, hard to say that it's just a children's book. <laughs> well, the concepts in it are universal and for any age, you know, I was thinking about funny, the topic of peace. And when we, you know, when I was, you know, a child back in the seventies, you know, we used to look back on what we thought the 60s were about and you could always find you know old t-shirts and things referencing like make peace not war and it was kind of a hot topic obviously you know with the vietnam war and everything you know peace for a large amount of people was you know talked about a lot um you know with the advent of everything that's happening in the world right now and people are you know 
often approach things politically um, very quickly. And so I'm finding it, I found it so refreshing in, in reading your beautiful poem that it truly takes us out of that, out of like the the social and cultural and and political and aspects of what what creates war and disparate you know goings on and and things that are dangerous and and so forth and and I find that it's hard for me at an older age to think more about peace because I just find myself being lured back into the just the drama of everything that's going on so the concept of peace feels like a far away distant thing from my childhood but it really isn't you know and for any of us who have spiritual practices and you and I have been in in a spiritual group um on Sundays over the phone for many years and I just think that getting back to the basics of what peace really is and so that it doesn't sound like some kind of Pollyanna-ish word that you just throw around and, you you know, it's sort of in a make-believe time and place. We actually need peace more than ever. But how do we achieve it? What is it? And you talk about in your writings about how peace is something like the more you're aware of it, the more it grows. And how does somebody become aware of peace in what seems like just tumultuous times? That is the key question here, isn't it? And I had no idea that this concept would be tried according to such, you know, really tumultuous times and so much, you know, violence experienced in the news media right now. Um, but I, I think it still holds true. It's, you know, it maybe uh, like if you, you have a ship and, and it has no holes in it, a little boat, you know, even it, no matter how little the boat is, it can still float if it doesn't have holes in it. So I'm out there floating um, with this idea. But my um, the inspiration that came to me through this poem had a lot to do with a small mind shift. And if you could just simply shift, um, shift. So for one, it's like, look around you and see what symbolizes peace to you in your personal life. So now I didn't invent this. I mean, many, many people have referenced, um, you know, it starts with you. It starts at home. It starts with inner peace and then emanates out from inner peace. So this definitely fits into that um, category of a project but um you know to to develop your own conscious peace plan you know where you have intentions is uh something that um the workshop related to this uh f- helps facilitate um but one can just take the poem and sort of like see how something can shift even even if i'm using you know puns and other kinds of literary vehicles to make this happen it still represents a concept and and i guess one of the ideas that came to me when i was thinking about this talk is like an analogy of um if you're if you're at sea and you're out at sea and you can't see land but you're heading for port and if you check your navigation and it's just a little bit off but you don't change your trajectory even if you're a tiny bit off you end up pretty far from that goal when you hit land. So in a way, um, you know, we're calibrating our ships. And if we actually do the opposite of just correcting those little points, just those small ships can end up, you know, landing us in a great place. And that's how the the poem ends. 
Uh, so uh, uh, we're going to read it today. Maybe then I won't um, tell you exactly right now, but um, yeah. yep. Building a oh. peace practice is grounding. And once we're grounded, we know what to do with the news reports. We know where to place them. We know how we have actually like a powerful place to begin to respond. And that's my goal. And, you know, is it so what would you think are some of the aspects of the things that we can actually do to experience it? Would you say meditation? Would you say being quiet within oneself, even if someone's at work, being able to pull back and maybe go within? I mean, what are some of the techniques that can help to uh, sort of bring a sense of peace to one's self or or place um wherever they are and whatever is going on how what are some of the ways that you have found to do this well i i i find um you know taking a moment for grounding and intention before you enter your day so if it's prayer or meditation touching base with what grounds you you know what fills you and this idea of, um, you know, how sometimes with uh, self-esteem, for instance, we have to kind of make a shift from like, okay, you know, I'm going to do a mantra that I am a good person and, you know, et cetera, and fill out these positive beliefs. Or we can kind of stop and like, you know, decide what belief are we really in our heart going to entertain? And that will help us like refer to that throughout the day um, to help restore us. And when we have uh, um, other resources and spiritual groundings and, you know, meditative practices that help us through slightly different methods, but all kind of the same of sort of like witnessing a deeper message. So I would say one thing is to be still Two is to notice, you know, notice our emotions. Don't hide them. Um, three is sort of gaining maybe, uh, you know, we're looking for hope. Um, we want to have hope be alive. Like we have a candle we can carry through our day, you know, of hope, which is just um, like starting with, with ourselves and not taking in, not letting us be imprinted. Um, you know, by evil. Um, I think it was uh, um, a quote I have, uh, just um, Gandhi said, um, an eye eye for an eye only ends up making the whole world blind, Mahatma Gandhi. And that to me sort of typifies the threat of what seems to be going on in the Mideast and not to forget, you know, other conflict, major conflicts in the world right now. Um, but, um, it's kind of like, how do we not react with anger and other things that becomes, you know, part of the fervor and the fire and, and we just need to be still, we need a lot of guidance. You know, I mean, I, I'm not saying that, you know, we can put out that fire with one little thought, but if you take this idea of like a, um, every, good thought that we can get grounded in our heart and practice in our lives, you know, like having a list of things that express peace to us, Uh, not just comfort, you know, not just a a nice soft pillow, but something like I can go and express this 
gratitude or express this calmness in a situation or, you know, listen and, and not to, you know, to conflict and difference in my daily, in my thought and then in my daily walk. And, and those kinds of things, we can meet that and call that a peace practice. Um, I had this thought about like if each positive thought or prayer for peace was a pebble that you throw into a pond that creates concentric circles. And I was thinking about, um, you know, well, collectively, uh, it's lots of pebbles and ponds, lots of concentric circles that kind of represented for me like um, like an earthquake, like the seismic rings and, you know, sound waves. And so I was sort of thinking like, you know, with our little individual shifts, we're part of a peace quake. <laughs> and so I like I've been that. that. Peace idea. quake. Yeah. Peace quake. <laughs> a peace quake. Yeah. So we don't, we, we need to believe that even our little, little steps going out into the world is, you know, is having an effect. Um, yes. You know, you may, you've just brought up so many things and I, <laughs> that I just love. And I love how you said before you step out in your day to kind of center yourself. And isn't it, a, it's a choice actually, like, how am I going to react or not react today? It's like, it's a choice. Like you can say, before I react today, I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to be calm. I'm going to mm-hmm. take a deep breath before I react. That's a choice. Like we can make that choice because if if we don't become mindful or very, very concentrated on knowing that we want to go out and about with our day with a certain mindset, it's just so easy to get buffeted about by, you know, all the, all the things that grab our attention and, and frighten us or uh, appall us, whatever it is. And I just feel like it wouldn't it be wonderful for not just for churches. And I think this, the spiritual community is, is truly, they have a great hold on, you know, being able to teach basic concepts of loving thy neighbor as thyself and conflict resolution and such. But wouldn't it be great if like even schools taught, you know, how do you, how do you talk through situations mindfully and calmly without letting things you know, rise up to to some type of, you know, fury and fire, as you were talking about, if we could just be more mindful about it. And if we we started with our children, when, like you said, when they're very small, how much they can take that within their lifetime. You know, there's a big difference between someone who tries to teach their children the value of being peace and and calm and and handling situations with with kindness and and a plum, as opposed to just right. reacting constantly and having your needs be met and such, and, you know. But it, all of this is obviously effort, and it really is. It's a choice. Like we have to decide. You know, is this how would we prefer to experience life, and how do we prefer to go out into the world? So I love, I love that you do a focus on this, and that you you can make it a practice, a peace practice. I love that. It's like. It's like just truly, even the word itself, it's so interesting how onomatopoeia sometimes a word can actually convey within it, the sound of it, what it is. And peace is one of those words to me. I just feel peaceful when I hear it. I feel calm when I hear the word calm. And so I think it's important to have the dialogue and the vocabulary around these things that we can 
put into our day, but always to be reminded of it is a great thing as you are doing right here, right now, which I'm so grateful that you're sharing with the audience. Um, so you wrote this after 9-11, which, you know, ironically, it was such a time of just in- incredible dis-ease in the whole world. And here we are now 22 years later, and we seem to find ourselves, it, you know, feels rather similar in, in that um, so, but peace is something that's been talked about since forever with, with the greatest of gurus and teachers and rabbis and in, in the world. So, um, you have this beautiful poem that you've written. I would love you to read it to the audience in your beautiful dulcet tones, um, <laughs> that you have that I get to hear when we do our, our, our church group on the phone sometimes. And, um, I would so love it if you could read to us your, your beautiful poem, which is now available in, um, paper form on Amazon. Um, my sword is a dove, Isabel Davis. My sword is a dove. I am going to fight but my sword is a dove. I am going to be strong and my strength is love. I am going to bear arms with arms that embrace. I will blow like a storm with the winds of grace. I will march waving sticks, but my sticks will make art. I will beat on my drum with the beat of my heart. I am going to shout, but my voice is a song. I'm going to stand proud, proud to belong. I will bring out my bow to play music with ease. I'll take careful aim for my target is peace. Mm. That is so beautiful. Thank you. You know, one thing I might want to add is um, I I also had that reaction because I was a young girl during the 70s and or high school, I guess, eventually. But my older brothers were kind of part of that hippie era. And, um, you know, all the mantras about peace um, were nice and I agreed with them in a way. But I really didn't want to let go of the metaphors of warfare completely. And so that's what I work with this in this book is just, it's just a start. It's very simple, but it it just, what fighting is, it's important, um, you know, to, uh, to fight, but fight with love. Um, And that's, uh, was a, major inspiration for this style this book i've often heard that love is radical and indeed it heals 
So um, something as ephemeral as what love kind of seems sometimes, it is stronger and more powerful than any any weapon of war. Um, so the more we can live it, yep. the better off we'll be. So grateful to have you. Isabel Davis is my guest. She has written, My Sword is a Dove. If you would like to get it to read to your children or just to have uh, to look at every morning. It's so short, but so to the point, it might help you focus your day as well. Isabel is spelled, by the way, I-S-O-B-E-L, Isabel Davis. And if you Google her, you can go to Amazon. It's now available there. And I know you also are just very quickly before we close the segment, you're also, you have a companion workshop that you're doing now to my sword is a dove. Tell us what that is and how maybe someone can start it on their own in their own group or at church or at school. Well, for one thing, I have the questions printed in the back of the book on just a plain piece of paper page, you know, just the questions. So someone can use, use those as a catalyst for developing their own. Um, what I've done is I've taken, um, I don't know if anybody knows Miro, but I have a a Miro board, board. It's an infinite virtual whiteboard. And I've created a map with a big piece of art. And on it are many stations and stops in developing a peace practice uh, with those questions at the core. And then some ways, you know, of tools that you can use to help think more deeply, to help discuss with other people, to create some shared goals or visions. Um, and gratitude and even an art table. So uh, that's how I've imagined it and designed it. And um, and just launching this, uh, we've had uh, only one so far, one inaugural event and um, getting through some of the tech issues of the integration between Zoom and Miro took us out about 10 minutes. So I have some work to do before I can uh, run it efficiently for everyone with these tools. So hope we might move it to another platform at some day, but I really want to get a lot of experience with people in the process and the people that came to the workshop really, really enjoyed it. So just as uh, excited to be developing that. Um, yeah. And I think uh, I, 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 there's uh, on one of my websites, there's a, just a forum where you could, um, sign up and connect with me, and then I'd be happy to invite you or bring you in on a on a um, possible date of a future workshop if you'd like to be a part of it. I'm also going to print out eventually the parts so they could be available to use, you know, another time. But that's a little. I have to, you know, finish this development process first. That's great. And what would be the best website for someone to find you at? Yeah, the um, website for the Peace Project. Um, is Isabel, spelled with the O, IsabelDav.is. So it's www.IsabelDav.is. Um, and I think there is probably a link to my art website if you're interested or curious or wanting to um, look into my other projects. Well, Isabel Davis, my sword is a dove. Let's dedicate this um, segment of The Way Home of this program to our dear friend, Dean Furbush, who passed recently, but was probably the person that I know more than anyone on earth that lived peace in every single aspect of his life, 
not to mention joy, love, and great brilliance. And I know we will miss him forever, but we will see him again. So this is dedicated to Dean, our mutual friend, and with so much love love and peace. Love that. Thank you so much. He was so dear and embodied exactly what you said, those qualities and aspects of peace. Peace work. His peace work and his example lives on. Thank you so much, Isabel Davis. God bless. And we'll see you next time on The Way Home. This is The Way Home with Laura Smith. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. Well, on the topic of homes, we have somebody here that is such an expert when it comes to all things with your house and uh, just best tips you can imagine. He is a syndicated radio host of a very popular show called The Money Pit. Tom Kreitler's here. He's co-host of it with his partner there. And it is so good to have you. And I think people absolutely love hearing about different tips for the home and keeping them safe. And now with all the energy costs and everything, we want to hear everything you have to say about getting our our home ready for uh, the season of storms and hot weather and everything else. Well, you know, when you talk about uh, insulation, that really covers all of the energy saving things that you can do in the category of least expensive and most effective, right? Um, And that's something that we should be thinking about in the summer, as well as in the winter. In the winter, you know, we feel that chilly air and, and discomfort, which signals to our brains that we need to do something about it. In the summer, it's all warm air, but it's still incredibly wasteful and drives our cooling bills through the roof. So I would suggest the first thing to take a look at is insulation. And when you look at insulation, you have to know that there's different types of insulation and they have different qualities depending on the insulation product. So for example, Owens Corning has a product out now called Thermofiber Fire and Soundguard Plus. Now, this is available at Lowe's, and it's a mineral wool product that's made from natural ingredients, and it provides insulation with some enhanced benefits with fire, moisture, and sound benefits. So if you think about it, there are places in the house where that makes a lot of sense. Like if you're building a shower, you might want to use it there because it handles moisture. If you're going to be building an area around a fireplace or a furnace, it's heat resistant. And if you want a room just to be quiet, you know, we are all prioritizing our home offices these days, and we need... Uh, to have them quiet. It's a great product to put in those walls to keep cut down on street noise and household noise and, and, and that sort of thing. In fact, I use thermofiber to insulate the floor of my 130-year-old house, quite old, uh, because we had no insulation in there. And, and what I discovered was when I had uh, put in a new heating system, because we had, uh, you know, most old houses have these big old cast iron boilers that throw off a lot of heat from their jackets before the heat even gets up to the radiators. Well, it was kind of uh, heating the underside of my floor it was sort of a hundred year old radiant heating system, you know, from the underside of the floor. And when we replaced it with a really efficient model, of course, the floors were cold. So we needed to insulate that space. And I did that with thermofiber because it was um, just uh, such an effective product to use uh, in an old house. I know that. Uh, well, I just had a renovation two years ago. The house caught fire during it. Oh, and- no. No, exactly. And then so, you know, the all the water that came in from the fire trucks and such, uh, you know, forced us to kind of rip all the, the drywall off and have to put in new insulation. And That's right. I was yeah. so happy to know that there were better, newer and better options. Remember the old days? My goodness, if we'd go up in the attic and accidentally like rub against the old insulation in the house and you'd come off feeling like you had glass all over you. I mean, 
Yeah, yeah, you know, and there's a new product out also by Owens Cording that is a, a new type of fiberglass insulation. It's called Pink Next Gen. And what's really interesting about this stuff is it kind of has the consistency of like cotton candy. It's a longer fiber mm-hmm. and it doesn't do that anymore. It doesn't itch when you touch it. You know, it's not going to, when it gets in contact with your skin, you don't automatically feel like you have little pieces of glass all over you. So you're right. These products are getting better and they're getting easier, especially for us do-it-yourselfers to use. And is that something that like uh, a, a contractor or even just personally we can find in a home goods store or do we need to order that online? No, you know, you find that at Lowe's, for example. OK, that's, yeah, you did say that. OK, well, so that's, that's the thermofiber, but really all the all the old corning products are, 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 are there. So, you know, another thing to look at is 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 windows. Now, in the summer, we get a lot of heat gain through the windows. And that happens if you don't have the right type of glass in the window. Now, Pella is very good at building windows. They have solutions that are going to always increase comfort and convenience and beauty, but they're also incredibly energy efficient. And if you were to replace single pane windows with Energy Star certified Pella windows, you can expect savings of between about $100 and $600 a year. And homeowners typically also will recoup about 70% of the cost of installation at the time of sale because it's such a valuable improvement you know, to add to your home. You can find them in double pane, triple pane, um, they even have some cool features like one I like. It's called Hidden Screen. The idea behind Hidden Screen is if you think about it, when you look at your window, you're not really looking out just through your window. You're looking out through your window and your screen. And that takes out some of the clarity and some of the brightness of the outside. Well, with Hidden Screens, the Hidden Screens reveal themselves when you open the window. And then they disappear back into the sash when you close the window. So you never have that screen in the way. That's incredible. That's great technology. And like you said, it really ends up being a money saver. People say, well, if I buy, you know, big name brand like Pella or something like that, it's going to be more money. In the long run, you're saving. I just visited a, a dear friend in New York and I stayed in her house and it's a two story, very old house. Um, but you know, they've had it for 30 years and right. she just was leaving the lights on and, and things like that, normal, like she always does every year. But when her bill came, her utilities <laughs> for electricity were $3,000. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I just think about how right now with the prices the way they are, even across the whole country, not just in New York, um, you know, w- people really need to find ways to save. And if it means getting a better window put in or something, I'm all for it. Yeah. And then even with the lighting, you know, um, my house, we have occupancy sensors. You know, I like, like many, like many kids grew up with parents that would always yell at us for leaving the lights on. <laughs> you yes, know, me too. I, I distinctly yeah. remember my father sternly turning the car around after he pulled out of our driveway because he noticed that some one kid <laughs> left the lights on, making us go back in and turn them off. Well, now we do that with technology, right? So occupancy sensors um, is what I use for my light switches. And all they do is they sense if somebody's in the room. So if nobody's in the room, there's no movement for whatever time you said, I think five minutes or so just turns the lights off so we don't have to have uh, that discussion anymore with kids <laughs> it's it, it's so true my mother still follows me around and if i leave a you know a light on in a cover boy she's right behind me out she comes out of nowhere oh, yeah. it scares me half to death but yeah i totally get it so many great tips you have do you have a good website to go to or can people tune into your show what what's yeah. what's a, a, a way to sure. find yeah. you tom kreitler yeah just go to moneypit.com slash podcast You can grab our podcast there, no matter where you are in the country, or you can listen to a local radio station. Uh, Also, if you have a question about your home, you can always go to moneypit.com slash ask. Now, you'll get a little blue microphone button that pops up. And when you click on that, you can record a question to us, and then we'll answer it next time we record the show. 
That is so fantastic. Moneypit.com slash podcasts and moneypit.com slash ask and ask them any question you want and get all these fantastic answers. Tom Kreitler, thanks so much for joining us today on my radio show, The Way Home. Thanks, Laura. Pleasure to be with you. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Once again, here's Laura. Well, the 2023 Atlantic hurricane season runs through November 30th. And whether you or a loved one is a resident in a hurricane prone area, we encourage you to take a few vital steps to ensure that you're prepared for what could be another active season. My guests today are Dr. Ian Giamanco, the lead research meteorologist at Insurance Institute for Business and Home Safety, and Michael Richmond Crum, director of Personal Lines and Counsel at American Property Casualty Insurance Association. Gentlemen, um, what are some science-backed actions that people can take to strengthen their properties and their situation to reduce the risk of damage to their homes? Yeah, thanks, Laura, for having us. Yeah, a lot of the damage when it comes to hurricanes starts with uh, your roof. So when you're re-roofing, that's a great time to make a couple of changes uh, to your roof system to get a better, stronger roof. You can add uh, enhanced nails. You can actually tape those seams or seal the roof deck. So if your shingles do fail, you're not going to get water through your roof. And then there's some details about how you do the edge. You can check those out at fortifiedhome.org. And then the next big vulnerable spot, if you're looking for those big projects to really kind of bring your home to the next level, look at your garage door. They all should have a sticker on the back that says their wind rating. And if it doesn't and you're in the market for a new garage door, get one that's rated for 130 mile per hour winds or higher. Uh, Those are two of the big things you can do to your home uh, to be ready for the next storm. That's great to to know. I wouldn't have thought of that. Um, what in terms of home insurance should we know uh, whether or not we are covered properly? What can we do? Well, the first thing you can do is check to make sure that you've got your insurance policy ready. Take it out and take a read through it. You know, following a hurricane or a major storm or event is not the time you want to realize you don't know how you don't have enough insurance coverage to repair or build your home. So with hurricane season upon us, this is the perfect time for homeowners and business owners to take out that policy get in touch with their agent or insurer, make sure they have the right amount and right types of insurance coverage, particularly flood insurance should be addressed. You want to make sure that if you need flood insurance, you get it. A lot of people think that homeowner's insurance sort of covers that flood component, and it doesn't necessarily. So you want to look into that. You also want to check your deductible. Make sure it's an amount that's you know basically fits with your budget. That's the amount of money that you pay out of pocket when your insurance kicks in. So you want to find that balance of affordability and, you know, uh, and coverage that, that fits your needs. Absolutely. And uh, it's obviously much better to be safe than sorry and to start the process or even make a home inventory and get your ducks in order so that they aren't floating around your home during hurricane season. Thank you so much, gentlemen. I really appreciate you being on the way home. Thank you, Laura. Thank you very much. You're listening to The Way Home. We'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to The Way Home with Laura Smith. Here's Laura. I feel more peaceful and I feel uh, like more ready to take on uh, uh, saving money in my house and uh, watching for hurricanes and all that good stuff, but truly peaceful after having Isabel Davis with us. But uh, you know what? In addition to wanting to feel peace in the world when there's so much going on, I can't tell you how hearing good news or uplifting stories at such a time as this 
is helpful to the spirit. And it's always good as well to put uplifting information, good news stories, to hear about the kind acts, heroism of just the everyday average person. Well, who does that better than anyone else? Jim Cleefield. He's our guru of good news. And he goes out every single week and he finds some beautiful stories. So I know you have two today. Let's hit it with your very first one. I sure will, LJ. Well, let's talk about nurses, shall we? One in particular. The nursing field, you know, they're very dedicated when they're on the job, right? Well, this one particular nurse in the Phoenix area, certainly when she's on the job like any other nurse in the hospital field, you know, she takes Jimmy, care of her patients. I'm going to have you stop. Yeah. I'm going to have you stop. You need to slow down. You're yeah. rushing. We have a lot of time to do the stories, and you're going really fast, and I'm having trouble even keeping up with you, okay? Okay. So I didn't sleep. Just set, 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 <laughs> yeah. set, the, set the stories. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. you didn't, you, you, yeah. That's good. You didn't yeah. set, the, set the, you know, the story and talk to us. Don't rattle off. Just talk and tell us the lovely story. Okay. okay. So we're pretending. Okay. Just go ahead and start from here. Well, let me tell you the story about a wonderful nurse out of the Phoenix area. And those who are dedicated in the nursing field, they work very hard. They're dedicated to what they do. They take great care of their patients while they're on the job. This nurse in particular, though, uh, Lee Ann Sondrov, is very special because she had just completed the last of her four consecutive late-night shifts. And I have a friend who is a nurse in Connecticut, and she can certainly relate to this. So all those long, long hours, they're very dedicated. Well, this is what happened after she was getting back. She was on the road. It was late at night. She was on Route 143 near Sky Harbor in the Phoenix area when all of a sudden uh, she came to an accident scene. And she said she had this kind of a guided premonition to help somebody. You know, every point in somebody's life. And she says, you know, she has imperfections. At some point, sometimes that time calls where you need to help somebody in need. Well, she was across from this accident scene. There was an overturned cement truck on the highway, and it was late at night, and a man was trapped underneath. Well, she and some people decided to pull by the side of the road, and thankfully, and this is why she was guided, there was no cars whatsoever. It was safe for her to cross, and she courageously got under that cement truck, checked the guy out, analyzed him, and with the help of one of the individuals, she took one of the belts to use as a makeshift tourniquet to kind of slow the bleeding, though the man was really, really injured, before he could go to the hospital for some treatment. Well, he managed to get there. Months later, after all of this happened, the Phoenix Police Department recognized the incredible and courageous work that Leanne did. She is a hero, a wonderful hero in saving him and they recognized her for her efforts this happened in october as a matter of fact months after that well the man responded saying that he is just grateful to leanne and the work that she did for giving him a second chance at life in turn she responded she said to him and we don't know his name this man but she said she hopes for a speedy recovery a full recovery and that he has a lifetime of success and it just shows again when you have that guided premonition and you help somebody it just it's a night that certainly she will never forget that late july night Oh, my goodness. So she did four consecutive Four shifts. straight. Can you imagine? That's a and lot of hours. And then she must have been like falling She was so asleep, fatigued. Driving yes. home. Yes, And absolutely. then it's like all of a sudden, nope, not you're not done yet, Leanne. You got to stop more. by and help the, save another life. Right. That's an amazing story. Thank you, Jimmy. I know you have another one. I sure do. And I really love this story because uh, Robin Seip, uh, this is a woman who uh, suffers from depression, and she also has some lung issues. She's been under the care of a renowned pulmonologist, Dr. Earl King, and uh, she came in for an appointment, kind of a checkup, a follow-up, and she was particularly down and distressed, and I'll tell you why. She admitted to the doctor that she suffered a loss. She lost her beloved cat. Her cat recently died. And we talk about how much animals are companions to people. Well, this doctor did something really unique. He wrote a prescription 
It was an unconventional prescription. This is not the kind that you get from a drugstore or in the form of a pill. This prescription that he wrote for her was to so she could adopt a new cat. This is not conjecture. He actually wrote this prescription. So uh, she left the office feeling not only touched by all of this, but inspired by his act of kindness and what he did. She wants to kind of pay it back. Well, fast forward. She then goes to a farm on the way home. Yes, I quoted the name of the show. And she rented this wonderful kitty named Erlene. And this kitty um, had, unfortunately, one of her paws lost because she was injured when she was born. But these two had an instant connection. I mean, they, it was love at first sight right away, and uh, she ended up adopting this little kitty because she said, look, I mean, I live alone, and but when I had that cat, I mean, it's just, it just gave me that companionship, somebody there right with me, and I certainly can relate to that. I live alone myself, and I, it's nice to have a nice little furry animal. Well, anyway, just if they... They support each other. They respect each other. And it just she was just so grateful for what the doctor did that she decided to do something with her brand new cat. You know what it is? She and Erlene, and that's the name of the cat, by the way, to take some field trips to go to facilities that help veterans and individuals with lost limbs, kind of give them a little bit of happiness and peace, like we talked about this on the show, to make them feel better and to really to experience the joy and love that they have for one and other. Oh, that's gorgeous. Love it. I love the good news stories, Jim. You always bring us up and, and out into the new week with on such a high note. So grateful to you with your beautiful voice as well. You too, LJ. Um, you, you have a lot of expression, a lot of joy, and a lot of love in your voice. And I think voices can heal, and yours is one of them. So I bring so peace to the, everybody else that, through my voice then, right? That's what you're saying, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. See? All right. Well, thank you so much. And to all of you, I just pray for you that you have a peace-filled week. What we were talking about with Isabel Davis, check out her poem and book that you can get now on Amazon, My Sword is a Dove. Try to live peace in a world so that we can have more of it. And I am going to do the absolute same. Thank you, Bob and Jim. Have a wonderful week, everyone, and lots of love from The Way Home. I'm Laura Smith.